Chapter One of The Story of Ab. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Blashford. The Story of Ab by Stanley Waterloo. Chapter One The Babe in the Woods. Drifted beech leaves had made a soft, clean bed in a little hollow in a wood. The wood was beside a river, the trend of which was toward the east. There was an almost precipitous slope, perhaps a hundred and fifty feet from the wood, downward to the river. The wood itself, a sort of peninsula, was mall in extent and partly isolated from the greater forest back of it by a slight clearing. Just below the wood, or, in fact, almost in it, and near the crest of the rugged bank, the mouth of a small cave was visible. It was so blocked with stones as to leave barely room for the entrance of a human being. The little couch of beech leaves already referred to was not many yards from the cave." On the leafy bed rolled about and kicked up his short legs in glee a little brown babe. It was evident that he could not walk yet, and his lack of length and width and thickness indicated what might be a babe not more than a year of age, but despite his apparent youth this man-child seemed content thus left alone, while his grip on the twigs which had fallen into his bed was strong, as he was strong, and he was breaking them delightedly. Not only was the hair upon his head at least twice as long as that of the average year-old child of to-day, but there were downy indications upon his arms and legs, and his general aspect was a swart and rugged one. He was about as far from a weakly child in appearance as could be well imagined, and he was about as jolly a looking baby, too, as one could wish to see. He was laughing and cooing as he kicked about among the beech leaves and looked upward at the blue sky. His dress has not yet been alluded to, and an apology for the negligence may be found in the fact that he had no dress— he wore nothing. He was a baby of the time of the cavemen, of the closing period of the age of chipped stone instruments, the epoch of mild climate, the ending of one great animal group and the beginning of another, the time when the mammoth, the rhinoceros, the great cave-tiger and cave-bear, the huge elk, reindeer and aurochs and urus and hosts of little horses, fed or gambled in the same forests and plains, with much discretion as to relative distances from each other. It was some time ago, no matter how many thousands of years, when the child, they called him Ab, lay there naked upon his bed of beech leaves. It may be said, too, that there existed for him every chance for a lively and interesting existence. There was prospect that he would be engaged in running away from something, or running after something, during most of his life. Times were not dull for humanity in the age of stone. The children had no lack of things to interest, if not always to amuse them, and neither had the men and women. And this is the truthful story of the boy Ab, and his playmates, and of what happened when he grew to be a man. It is well to speak here of the river. The stream has been already mentioned as flowing to the eastward. It did not flow in that direction regularly, its course was twisted and diverted, and there were bays and inlets and rapids between precipices, and islands and wooded peninsulas, and then the river merged into a lake of miles in extent, the waters converging into the river again. So it was that the banks in one place might form a height, and in another merge evenly into a densely wooded forest or a wide plain. It was so, too, that these conditions might exist opposite each other. Thus the woodland might face the plain, or the precipice some vast extending marsh. To speak further of this river, it may be mentioned, incidentally, that today its upper reaches still exist, and that the relatively small stream remaining is called the Thames, Beside and across it lies the greatest city in the world, and its mouth is upon what is called the English Channel. At the time when the baby Ab slept that afternoon in his nest in the beech leaves, this river was not called the Thames, it was only called the Running Water, to distinguish it from the waters of the coast. It did not empty into the British Channel, for the simple and sufficient reason that there was no such channel at the time. 
where now exists that famous passage which makes islands of great britain where tossed upon the choppy waters the travellers of the world are seasick where drake and howard chased the great armada to the northern seas and where to-day the ships of the nations are steered towards a social and commercial centre was then good solid earth crowned with great forests and the present little tail-end of a river was part of a great affluent of the rhine the german river famous still but then with a size and sweep worth talking of then the thames and the elbe and weser into which tumbled a thousand smaller streams all went to feed what is now the rhine and that then tremendous river held its course through dense forests and deep gorges until it reached broad plains where the north sea is to-day and blended finally with the northern ocean the trees which stood upon the bank of the great river or which could be seen in the far distance beyond the marshall plain were not all the same as now exist there was still a distinctive presence of the towering conifers something such as are represented in the redwood forests of california to-day or in other forms in some australian woods there was a suggestion of the fern-like but gigantic age of growth of the distant past the past when the earth's surface was yet warm and its air misty and there was an exuberance of all plant and forest growth something compared with which the growth in the same latitude just now would make it may be but a stunted showing it is wonderful though the close resemblance between most of the trees of the caveman's age so many tens of thousands of years ago and the trees most common to the temperate zone to-day the peat bogs and the caverns and the strata of deposits in a host of places tell truthfully what trees grew in this distant time already the oak and beech and walnut and butternut and hazel reared their graceful forms aloft and the ground beneath their spreading branches was strewn with the store of nuts which gave a portion of food for many of the beasts and for man as well the ash and the yew were there tough and springy of fibre and destined in the far future to become famous in song and story because they would furnish the wood from which was made the weapon of the bowman the maple was there with all its symmetry there was the elm the dogged and beautiful tree thing of to-day which so clings to life and nourishes in the midst of unwholesome city surroundings and makes the human hive so much the better there were the pines the sycamore the foxwood and dogwood and lime and laurel and poplar and elder and willow and the cherry and crab-apple and others of the fruit-bearing kind since so developed that they are great factors in man's subsistence now it was a time of plenty which was riotous there remained too a vestige of the animal as well as the vegetable life of the remoter ages there were strange and dangerous creatures which came sometimes up the river from its inlet into the ocean such events had been matters of interest not to say of anxiety to ab's ancestors the baby lying there among the beech leaves tired finally of its cooing and twig snapping and slept the sleep of dreamless early childhood he slept happily and noisily but when he at last awoke his demeanour showed a change he had nothing to distract him unless it might be the breaking of twigs again he had no toys and being hungry he began to yell so far as can be learned from early data babies when hungry have always yelled and of old as to-day when a baby yelled the woman who had borne it was likely to appear at once upon the scene ab's mother came running lightly from the river-bank toward where the youngster lay she was worthy of attention as she ran and this is but a bungling attempt at a description of her and of her dress it should be explained here with much care and caution that the mother of ab moved in the best and most exclusive circles of the time she belonged to the aristocracy and it may be added regarding this fine lady personally that she had the weakness of paying much attention to her dress she was what might properly be called a leader of society though society was at the time somewhat attenuated families living generally some miles apart and various obstacles chiefly in the form of large man-eating animals complicating the matter of paying calls 
As for the calls themselves, they were nearly as often aggressive as social, and there is a certain degree of difference between the vicious use of a flint-axe and the leaving of a card with a bending lackey. But all this doesn't matter. The mother of Ab belonged to the very cream of the cream, and was dressed accordingly. Her garb was elegant but simple. It had first the one great merit that it could easily be put on or taken off. It was sustained with but a single knot, a bow-knot, they had learned to make a bow-knot and other knots in the Stone Age, for because of the manual requirements for living, they were cleverer fumblers with their fingers than we are now, and the lady here described had tied her knot in a manner not to be excelled by any other woman in all the fiercely beast-ranged countryside. The gown itself was of a quality to please the eye of the most carping. It was made from the skins of wolverines, and was drawn in loosely about the waist by a tied band, but was really sustained by a strip of the skin which encircled the left shoulder and back and breast. This left the right arm free from all encumbrance, a matter of some importance, for to be right-handed was a quality of the caveman as of the man to-day. We should have a grudge against them for this carelessness, and should maybe form an ambidextrous league, improving upon the past and teaching and forcing young children to use each hand alike. The garment of wolverine skins, sewed neatly together with thread of sinews, was all the young mother wore. Thus hanging from the shoulder and fully encircling her, it reached from the waist to about halfway down between the hips and the knees. It was as delightful a gown as ever was contrived by ambitious modiste or mincing male designer in these modern times. It fitted with a free and easy looseness, and its colours were such as blended smoothly and kindly with the complexion of its wearer. The fur of the wolverine was a mixed black and white, but neither black nor white is the word to use. The black was not black, it was only a swart sort of colour, and the white was not white, it was but a dingy, lighter contrast to the darker surface beside it, yet the combination was rather good. There was enough of difference to catch the eye, and not enough of glaringness to offend it. The mother of Ab would be counted by a wise observer as the possessor of good taste. Still, dress is a small matter. There is something to say about the cave-mother aside from the mere description of her gown. End of chapter 1